What's going on, coaches? Uh, keep seeing in the news, more and more guys are getting to finally play some football. So uh, hopefully, you guys are enjoying a a good season so far. Uh, if you're one of the in one of the states where you're not playing just yet, hopefully you guys are staying busy, um, enjoying some time, hopefully with your family or or uh, listening to some of these podcasts. Uh, if you need anything from us, you can find a bunch of stuff over at RunThePower.com. We've got videos, podcasts. Uh, articles. We've got RTP clothing. Uh, hopefully anything that you guys uh, could need or want from us all over at runthepower.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formation, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team. B-U-I-L-D-R dot com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Pete DeWeese. Coach DeWeese is the OC and quarterbacks coach at Sprayberry High School in Sprayberry, Georgia. Listen as we talk with Coach DeWeese about setting up a high-powered offense and developing your quarterbacks and wide receivers using the R4 system. You can follow Coach DeWeese on Twitter at Coach DeWeese. Hope you guys enjoy. I am uh, Pete DeWeese. I am the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Sprayberry High School in Marietta, Georgia. Um, I've been coaching high school ball for 14 or 15 years. Um, I'm not a math guy. Um, I'm originally from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a Sooner fan, you may recognize that as the hometown of Marcus Dupree. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the bigger names, obviously, to come out of Philadelphia and somebody that I was fortunate to know and, and actually played with his, one of his sons uh, when I was in high school. But um, from Philadelphia, small town, uh, football is very important in that community. Um, and, uh, you know, had a great experience and, and knew coming out. I wasn't sure if I wanted to play. I knew I wanted to coach. Um, and, and part of that is my only opportunities were, were small, and I had an opportunity and, and signed with an NAIA school and, and, and later kind of realized that, that my passion was for playing with my friends. 
um, and the guys that I've grown up with and, and, and sweat with all summer long for, for, you know, all my life. And, um, that was gone at a small college. And, and so, um, I ended up leaving and, uh, eventually through my high school coaches got on actually as an equipment manager at Ole Miss. And I did it knowing I wanted to coach and knowing it would give me an opportunity to learn. And, um, so I got to spend five years every day um, around David Cutcliffe and um, John Latino was the offensive line coach who I worked with um, most of the time and, um, and and really got to be around some other great coaches. And it, it opened my eyes, um, you know, to, to what, what the game of football is and, and to what coaching is. You know, I got a chance um, to watch Eli Manning prepare every day. And, um, you know, certainly people have their opinions on Eli based on, on his NFL career, but. Um, you spend time around him, and you watch you watch the guy and the way he operates, um, and and what he does, and um, you know you, you can't help but but to be impressed with who he is. Um, you know, from there, I coached at a small high school in Mississippi, and and it was a weird adjustment going from a place you know at Ole Miss, where even though I wasn't a coach, there was a lot of structure and organization, and then going to a small high school where, quite honestly, it didn't exist. Um, so I, I, I left Mississippi searching for, um, you know, a place that, that had a lot more structure, had a lot more organization, and ultimately um, looking for a place that I could learn. Um, landed in, in Naples, Florida for a year at Barron Collier High School um, before then kind of feeling the need to get a little bit closer to home and ending up in Georgia. I've been in Georgia um, ever since. I think I've been in Georgia, I guess, 12 or 13 years now. and. Um, so, um, you know, been at three different schools in Georgia. I have, uh, I've been fortunate. I've worked for some really good men. Um, I've had some really good players. Um, I've had a chance. I've, I've, I've coached everything from secondary um, to the offensive line, which is what I played. Um, I coach quarterbacks now, but I've had a chance to, to coordinate all three phases of the game. Um, and, and, you know, I, each kind of step in my journey, I guess, I've been very fortunate to have been, I've been with good people that I've had an opportunity to learn from. And, um, you know, that's one thing about this game. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. Um, it can humble you in a hurry. And if you're willing to listen, it can always teach you something. And, um, you know, that's kind of been one of the interesting things to me. I think about everything that's going on right now. Um, obviously, we would be in the middle of spring ball um, here in Georgia. And it's strange, you know, not being out on the field and not being in the weight room with our kids every day. Um, but but there's been so much opportunity to learn, whether it's, you know, through what you guys are doing um, or through so many of these e-clinics that are going on and, and kind of different things. Um, it's been a great opportunity to kind of sit back and, and just look at, you know, hey, you know, how much validity is there in what I already do? You know, is there a better, more efficient way to teach what I already do? And then what am I missing out on? You know, um, so that's that's kind of my journey and who I am. Um, we're going into year four at Sprayberry. Um, I came in, the entire staff, with the exception of uh, two guys, were new. And um, uh, my head coach, is a, he's an alumnus of the school. He had coached there uh, twice before. Um, and, and but came from an area school where he and I had actually faced one another. And that was kind of how we were connected. And when he got the job, he reached out to me and um, been, been very fortunate. Um, you know, it was a program that had not made the playoffs in, uh, in nine or ten years. And last year, um, playing in, in arguably one of the most difficult regions at our level in Georgia, 
um, we were able to make the playoffs, and uh, we finished third in our region. And the first and second place team in our region played each other for the state title. Um, so we like to think we had a pretty good football team last year. Um, you know, obviously hoping that we can get the ball rolling soon and get started on next season. Jeez, yeah, that's um, talk about murderers row. I mean, when you when you look at that, how'd you guys how'd you get so unlucky to be in that one? You know, man, I you know in Georgia it's set up in regions, so there's seven levels uh, of football. We're in six A, which is the the seven A is the largest classification. Mm-hmm. We're one down from that in six A, and um, we were in a nine team region, um, top four in each region make the playoffs. You know, in 2018 there was a point in the season where five teams in our region were ranked in the top 10 by the state press um, <laughs> and only four of whom could go to the playoffs, you know? So um, we, we knew week in and week out um, that, that it was going to be a dog fight. And, you know, look, I, we all want to win. That's obviously the goal, but um, it's very easy for us to look our kids in the eye and, and kind of keep them focused. I think because they know that, um, that it's not a schedule that's, that's going to be easy. You know, it's hard to get a big head early in the season um, when you know that you're about to have to, to run that gauntlet. And so um, it's been a challenge, but, but the challenge has been fun. And last year we were fortunate enough to get some key wins and take advantage of it. So coach, I, this is a little off topic, but uh, one of my one of my great friends, and he coaches offensive line here with me. He's from, and that sounds kind of similar to me, and maybe it's not, but he's from Pittsburgh, but he's from Pittsburgh, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So obviously, anyone that hears he's from Pittsburgh, always obviously, you know, oh, oh, Pennsylvania. No, he's the Pittsburgh. I forget if it's with an H or without an H. He always <laughs> tells me. So I'm I'm assuming you go and tell someone you're from. Pennsylvania you deal with that same thing every time are you used to it by now you know you say Philadelphia and they they hear your accent and you know you say Philadelphia they hear your accent and they look at you funny um so I I I, I quickly follow it up with Mississippi and I I'm convinced the more I travel around this country I you know I there's no telling how many states have a Philadelphia um and there's no telling how many towns in the state of Mississippi are Paris and Moscow and you know there there's you just run down the list and how many of them are all whether it's from overseas or just you know from the original colonies um it's kind of funny how those names just continue to move but there's no question um <laughs> especially back before you could order things online you would have to call and place an order for something you were getting from a catalog or something and you know, they'd say, okay, where are you from? You'd say Philadelphia, and they'd go, you don't sound like you're from Pennsylvania. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Well, so. Coach, I, you, you say that, but I'll give you your credit. Um, I only had, I think, one teammate from Mississippi, and I live in Oklahoma, and I went down to Texas, you know, in the state of Texas, and I've, I've been around some accents, but the one kid from Mississippi we had, it was almost impossible to understand anything that he <laughs> It was it was amazing. It was my favorite favorite person to ever hear talk was was uh, my teammate that came from Mississippi, and it was it was almost impossible to understand what he was saying, and it was really really fun to listen to him. Listen, there there are certainly parts of Mississippi, parts of Louisiana, East Tennessee, or uh, yeah, East Tennessee, and kind of up the Appalachian Mountains, um, you can get some really interesting dialect, for sure. So yeah, you're exactly right. So I'll I'll say that was um that your your accent definitely is is much much easier uh, to understand than than it was in college. But um so the other thing you said was uh, equipment manager, and I think everyone obviously you know loves equipment managers. But the one thing that that 
to me always sets those guys that that's all they do as equipment manager. Obviously now you kind of gone on and now coach, but did you notice as an equipment manager that you were angrier than you normally were uh, as a person? Because every equipment manager I've been around as their equipment managing, you know, are that seems like they're angry all the time. I, I'm not going to say that that uh, that's not true about a lot of people. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was necessarily true about me. Um, and, and, and the guys that I worked with in general, um, you know, when I think back, a lot of the guys that I worked with were guys in similar situations with me that, that weren't able to play at a high level, but they knew they wanted to learn the game. Um, and, you know, off the top of my head, um, in the five years that I was there, I can think of, um, you know, one that's a high school head coach, three or four others that are high school coordinators, one that's uh, um, at a, one of the prominent junior college programs as an assistant coach and has been for years. Um, so I, I, I like to think we kind of broke the mold a little bit, but as a lot of us, we were just kind of focused on bigger things, you know. Um, you know, for, for me, I, you know, my first year on campus, um, Romero Miller was a quarterback. Um, uh, Deuce McAllister was starting running back. Um, that was getting hyped for a Heisman campaign. Derek Burgess that ended up playing a long time in the league. Kenyatta Lucas that played a long time in the league. Terrence Metcalf was an offensive line. Kedrick Vincent, both guys that, that spent of really good careers in the NFL. Um, and, and so for me, watching those guys work and watching the, the coaches and, and not only the drills they use, but the language they use, the way, the way that they, they taught what they were doing. Um, and, and then, you know, watching it, it, it translate on, on Saturdays. Um, I mean, I, I had front row seats to, um, you know, we, we've in 2003, we, played Nick Saban's LSU team essentially for the SEC West on our home turf and I'm right there on the sidelines holding a headset you know um so you know from from that standpoint um you know I, I certainly did my fair share of laundry and fixed some helmets um but I it was invaluable to me as the learning experience um that's that's for sure coach I think that's you know phenomenal and, and fantastic and I, that was gonna be the question I was gonna ask you you know you, you watch you watch guys like, you know, Coach Cutcliffe, who was, you know, basically the mentor to, to both Mannings, Peyton and Eli. And, you know, you see that relationship that, you know, he had with QBs. And then you've all, you get to see it from afar. You see how they prepare. You see how guys lift and work and how they treat people. You know, what were some things that maybe you kind of took away from that and, and now you've used it in your coaching career and maybe it helped accelerate kind of your career in this game? You know, um, I – I, I, I'm actually, you know, I've, I've been familiar with the Manning family for a long time. Their mother is actually from my hometown. I grew up down the street from their grandparents. Um, Eli and I are the, literally the same age, born on the same day. Um, so I've, I've kind of been around that family, and, and, and the way they operate has been written about many times, um, you know, by, by people much smarter than I. And, and it's all true, you know, and, and Coach Cutcliffe, and his relationship with them is certainly not something I'm an authority on. Um, but in general with David Cutcliffe, the way that he treats people, um, his just his, his, his disposition, um, whether you're a walk-on, an equipment manager, or, um, or you're Eli Manning, um, he's, he, he, he sets a standard, and, and his expectation is that, that you follow that standard, and he's going to be 
Um, you know, in, in all of my experience, going to be honest and going to be genuine with you um, and not afraid to be firm, um, but, but at the same time, not afraid to, to build you up. And, um, and, you know, that, that was his, um, that was his program. And, and you look at the guys that, that worked underneath him, um, several that are with him now, several that have since then have gone off to work with other people and come back to him. Um, there's a reason that those people kind of stay in that tree. Now, there have been some that have, that have, have gone off and, and made career in the NFL and, and done some other things. Um, but, but they're all, um, they're all different individuals, but to some degree they're cut from the same cloth um, because he, he wants to hire people that are, um, that are going to be good men of character first. Um, and that's what he expects out of the people in his program. So I, I think, you know, that's part of our job, obviously, as high school coaches anyway, um, is to try and make sure that, that we're imparting traits on, on young men um, to, to help them grow up and be better men. Um, and and I, I think I got to, to witness some of that, obviously, um, indirectly, um, well, you know, during my time there, because that certainly speaks to Coach Cutcliffe and, and who he is and the program that he wants to run. Coach, so you've said you've kind of been, you know, all over the map as far as far as the positions you've coaches you've coached and and you know the coordinating jobs that you've had. How do you go from you know uh, you know linemen working with linemen at first to defense to now with you know the the weirdest position of them all, quarterbacks? Well, so this is probably one of the better stories and and, <laughs> and worst experiences. Um, you know, my first year coaching, like I said, in high school was at a small high school in Mississippi, um, not far from my hometown. I was living in my hometown, commuting over, and and I loved the kids. They were they were phenomenal. It's one of the poorest counties in the state of Mississippi that's already a poor state. Um, from an acreage standpoint or a landmass standpoint, it's one of the largest counties in the state of Mississippi. From a population standpoint, it's one of the smallest. Um, there's, there's, there's a, a good bit of agriculture, but there's very little business. Um, we have one public high school in the entire county. Um, and so it was a, it was a small high school. Um, we had grades seven through 12th all on the same campus. And I taught, I, I was an English teacher for the first 12 years of my career. Um, I'm, I'm in PE now, but, but I taught every ninth grader in that building. I was their English teacher. Um, so it, it was a small school, um, it, you know, it, it was a poor school. As a result, um, you, you had the head coach, um, who was a good man, um, that his, had, was past retirement age but didn't want to retire, wanted to keep coaching, wanted to keep teaching. His brother, who was the offensive coordinator, who was retired, you had me, you had uh, uh, a very well-respected older gentleman in the community that was an assistant baseball coach and had a bus license. Other than that, he was there for our fight plan if something happened. Um, and then we had a, a kid, another kid just out of college that was a basketball coach, but they said we need another body. So we had, in theory, five guys on staff. The reality is we had three guys trying to coach. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that first season, um, the plan was I was going to coach offensive line I was going to coach defensive line and linebackers. And uh, we, we get ready to roll in that season, and we're in the first game, and the way that we had practiced kind of leading up to it, the head coach was calling the defense. His brother was calling the offense. And um, when the defense was on the field, he would tell me what he wanted. I would signal it in. 
So we start the first game of the season. We kick off. I was in charge of all special teams. Um, we kick off, make the tackle. It's first and ten. I look over. I'm looking for the head coach, and I can't find him. I finally see him. He's over by the water cooler talking to somebody. I signal in base defense. You know, next play, look for him again. Still not there. So I just kind of stay simple and, and just, you know, kind of whatever. And finally at halftime, you know, I was like, hey, you're really right before halftime. I was like, coach, you going to call the defense or am I calling the defense? He said, well, I trust you. And I said, okay. So I kind of <laughs> called the kids over at halftime and we made some adjustments and, and we played better in the second half. And it it, it wasn't because it, it, anything that I did. It was I, I just put the kids in a situation. We had the better athletes. They were just a better team. I put our kids in the situation to be athletes. You know, I started bringing pressure and playing man coverage, knowing that they weren't going to run away from us. Um, so, coming out of game one, I'm, I'm calling the defense. We roll into game two, still running special teams, calling the defense. We've game planned it. We've worked. We're going to go out there. We're going to roll our best. We get to – I don't remember if it was game three or four. And about an hour before the game, the offensive coordinator looks at me and he says, I've been coaching against this guy for 20-something years. He knows me like the back of his hand. He's going to shut down everything we run tonight. He's going to know what I'm calling. Can you call the game? Jeez. Well, the first thing that goes through my head is we run split back veer. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't matter if he knows, you know. But, but after that, of course, I'm, I'm young and dumb, man, and, and I think I can do it all. So I say, yeah, I got it. So we roll out there, and I literally call every snap of that football game. Oh my! God. And um, wake up the next day and can't talk, and and, and it, it was not a close football game. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, we, we come out of it, and 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 the next week, I was like, Coach, I, that that can't like. I'll call whatever you want me to call. I can't do that. Um, and and so by the end of the season, <laughs> I was calling the offense, and and um, the head coach was back to calling the defense, and. Um, so, from a learning standpoint, man, I mean, I, I don't know many guys, and they're, they're out there. I'm certainly no Superman. I don't know many guys that have had to call every snap of a football game. Um, but, but that was a learning experience for me. Just so much when I, when I sat back after that night, again, still being young and dumb and thinking I'm invincible, um, I just kept saying to myself, man, there was no communication. I didn't really have anybody in the box communicating with me, and I had no opportunity to communicate with kids on the sideline because as soon as the offense came off on third down and we punted, I'm calling the defense. So I couldn't go really talk to the quarterback right. or talk to the O-line. Or, um, and, and so, you know, obviously one of the things that I took away from that was just kind of the importance of communication, um, you know, and, and, and <laughs> I, you know, I, that's, you know, like I said, so – you ask how I get there. I kind of came out of my first real year of high school football, um, not saying I did it well, but I'd already kind of had to wear multiple hats. Um, you know, I, I, I left, like I talked about, looking for somewhere um, with structure and organization and took the job in Florida with a plan to be, uh, to be a quarterback coach. Um, that, that's what I wanted to do. And um, I get down there and um, a hire fell through. And uh, we, we had hired or tried to hire a defensive backs coach and, and something happened and it fell through. And all of a sudden we're sitting there without a DB's coach and I'm the new guy in the room and we're trying to figure it out. And the head coach was who called the offense. 
Um, and I just said, let me do it. I was like, I, I, I don't mind whatever. It's, it's, I still got a job. So I switched over to coach secondary. And, and part of the reason I did it, man, is that was the position on the field I knew the least about. Um, and I wanted to learn. And so I, I coached secondary there. And then when I came to Georgia, back to O-line for a year and then, um, and then back to quarterback. Was at quarterback for a few years, and then there was a coaching change um, at, at the school that I was at. And when the new head coach came in, um, he brought an offensive coordinator um, and a quarterback coach. And, and he said, you know, he said, I, he said, I've talked to people, I've talked to the admin about you, talked to parents about you. Um, you know, he goes, I don't want you to leave. He said, I'm going to call the defense, but I would like for you to be the, you know, have the title of defensive coordinator. And if you show me that you can take it and run it, then, then we'll, we'll make that happen. And um, he, uh, Howie DeCristofaro um, was the head coach's name, and he, he did a, a phenomenal job of bringing me in and teaching me his system. And we worked very well together. And after that year, I, I did take over the defense um, and had a lot of fun coaching defense. But um, when, I, when I had an opportunity to, to move back to the offensive side of the ball, I jumped on it. So, Coach, like you said, that that is one of the one of the you know funniest, craziest, coolest stories I've ever heard. So, uh, obviously, learned a lot about yourself, I'm sure, and and some things that you needed as an offensive coordinator, probably as a defensive coordinator, like you said, with communication. Also, I'm assuming, you know, and I'm sure, you know, everyone's don't want to be negative towards anybody, but um, I'm sure you also learned a, a couple things of of what you thought, you know things that could be done better or a different way as a head coach. You know, I, I get that, you know, you only had a certain amount of, of, of coaches and, you know, guys that knew it, but uh, I'm sure also that it could have gone a better way than, you know, the day before the game saying, okay, now you're the, you're the coordinator or not, like you said, having any communication yeah. that, okay, you are the one calling the defense. What are, and maybe it doesn't have to be specific about him, but what are some things maybe that you've learned throughout your time, you know, when you start building and thinking about what, what do you want to be as a head coach that you've learned from some of those things? You know, one of the things um, is, you know, we, we talk to kids or a lot of coaches, I think talk to kids a lot of time. Um, you know, you, you don't lose ball games, right? You win ball games and you learn. Um, if you spend a lot of time dwelling over loss, you're not doing anything that's going to get you better. Um, so, so, you know, I try to talk to kids all the time. Um, about, you know, if, if a game doesn't go your way, putting it to bed and using it as an opportunity to learn. I think that sometimes in, in, in our profession, I think that guys can be real stubborn. Um, not to say that I'm, I'm immune to that, certainly. Um, but I, I think sometimes as coaches, we can be very stubborn and, and not willing to, to reflect and to learn. Um, I, I think it's important as a head coach that, that not only do you have to be um, reflective of, of, of not just – your players and your assistants, but also of yourself. Um, and I think that, that you need to, to build a staff of guys that can be critical of themselves and, and can, can be conversational to the point that, that you know, um, that you can come to terms. I, and I, that's a hard thing to do. I think, you know, the hardest thing I think right now about being a head coach um, at any level is, is keeping a good staff. You know, you get a bunch of guys that are quality guys and, and, and they're going to want to advance their career and they're going to want to move up. And I think one of the things you can do to protect the staff is, is creating a culture where people feel valued. And, and, and I think part of that value is, is, is letting guys know that, that, 
you know, despite the title that you may have, um, you want them to feel comfortable coming into your office and being willing to have a conversation with you if they think it's something that can make the program better. Now, they have to understand that doesn't mean it's going to go their way. Um, but I, I think that, that, that building a staff full of guys that, that are willing to have those conversations um, is important. I also think, um, you know, I, people have different, different thoughts on, on some of the buzzwords that we hear. And, you know, you'll see people say that culture is one of the most overused words in, in football now. And, and the truth is it probably is. But that doesn't make it less important. I think a lot of people talk culture. Um, but I, I think to really be great, I think you have, you have to live your culture. Um, it has to truly be a, a focus um, of, of everything that, that you're doing. And vision has to be aligned. So I, I think that, you know, if your goal is to have football coaches to truly build better young men, um, that, that it can't just be lip service. And you have to make sure that the guys in the room with you um, share, share that same focus. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that's absolutely critical. Um, you know, there's so many other things, um, you know, that, that we could talk about. But I think at the end of the day, you know, we can't always control, you know, the, the Jimmys and the Joes. And sometimes we're going to face a school that's just got more talent than we do. Um, you need to make sure you have a group of coaches that, that aren't going to back down when there's a challenge, um, that aren't going to turn their back on you when there's a challenge. Um, but at the same time, aren't going to get too big-headed when things are going well. Um, and if you can keep a room full of guys that are in it for the right reasons, that share the same vision, and feel valued, I think you have a chance to keep a good staff in place. Um, and, and I truly believe that, that, that staff quality and staff continuity go hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, and I think that success of programs a lot of times is tied to that as well. Coach, as, a, as an offensive coordinator, you know, you said it a couple of times, you know, keeping a, a staff in place and having that culture in the room. You know, all the guys I talk to in, in Georgia, you know, they, they speak, you know, volumes about, you know, Coach DeWeese, he's an awesome dude. He, he's a cool guy to, to get along with. He's, he's, he's you know, open-minded. And they also talk about you being, a, you know, a really good play caller as well. So well, I paid them all to say it, so. Awesome. <laughs> but I mean, just like I saying, you know, that, that reputation, it's, it's awesome to hear. And then you know, to finally get you on here, you know, I, I kind of wanted to be able to ask you, you know, what are some of the things you do, you know, and it's probably just part of your personality, but you know, how do you kind of get that, that offensive room all on the same page, you know, and then building up to Friday night, you know, how do you kind of get yourself ready? Because to me, you know, being a good play caller, I think, is one of the most difficult skills in, in all of football. And, and I honestly don't know, like, to give somebody an answer, because everybody asks me, how do you get better as a play caller? I really don't know. You know, I think some people just kind of got it, and other ones, you know, maybe you learn a little bit more about it. But, I mean, I, I'd like to hear your take on it. I, I, I'm with you. And, and, and I, you know, I think some people do just kind of have it. Um, you know, to, to be completely honest, I don't think I'm bad at my job, but I, I don't think I'm great at it um, necessarily. Hopefully my, my players' parents don't hear that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, coordinating a defense has done so much for me moving back to offense. Um, and, and a lot of what I learned about controlling the room, whether it's the staff room or the kids, goes back to, to that experience. Um, and, and, and part of it, you know, I think that, um, and I talk about this a lot and I, and it was something that I really found value in, um, with, 
when I was coaching defense was if you want to be successful, you have to have a home. There has to be a place where your kids can go where they're going to feel comfortable. And, and whether that's inside zone as an offense or four verts if you're Mike Leach or whether, you know, defensively if it's a certain pressure or coverage, you have to have a home. You have to have a base that when, when everything starts hitting the fan and, and eyes are starting to get big and heads are starting to hang, somewhere that, that those kids are going to have confidence. Um, and I, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways, you know, is for me is, is when you start to build your system, you have to identify – you can't force what your home is, right? You have to identify what it is based on the kids that you have. Um, I, you know, look, the, the name of this podcast, Run the Power, I, I think that was like my email address in 2002 on Hotmail. Um, <laughs> because that's for, I mean, that if I could line up and call it 50 plays a game, I would. The reality is in the last three years, we've run very little limited power because it hasn't fit our kids. We, we haven't had the right guy at that sniffer. We've had kids that are very talented and can do certain things, but that's not what they're best at. So I'm not going to try to try to force that issue um, and, and make them great at it. And, and I, think, I think even with your coaches' um, uh, understanding, I think I, I learned a long time ago, somebody um, that I respect a great deal used to always tell me, never be afraid to coach your coaches. Um, and, and I think that's important in the room that, you know, you want your guys, like I said earlier, to feel valued. But, but you, you can't be afraid to, to, to coach those guys up a little bit and, and when you start to identify, like I said, that comfort zone with your team, um, make sure your coaches are comfortable with every aspect of that comfort zone. You know, if, if you are going to hang your hat on being an outside zone team, your, your wide receiver coach needs to know how to block it. Um, I, I, I firmly believe that. And, and so I, I think, um, you know, b- building continuity and, and for the kids and for the staff is extremely important. Um, I'll say this, too. I think as a coordinator, it is very important to have somebody in the room that is willing to tell you no. Um, You know, I I joked for a couple years, I was very fortunate when I was a defense coordinator, we had two secondary coaches, um, one that we called Spock and one that we called Socrates because they were the dudes that kept me in check. And if I ever had a question, I would look at them, and usually they didn't even have to respond. Their face told me everything I needed to know. And if I ever sat down to think about it, they were right. It was me trying to force too much. It was me being too cute, going, hey, we can, we can attack them with this pressure or with this stunt, you know, and this coverage. And, you know, they'd say, you know, coach is too expensive. You know, you need somebody like that, even on the offensive side of the ball. Um, when you start straying too much – um, you need to have somebody in the room that's willing and able to look you in the eye and say, coach, you're getting away from our home, you know. Um, and, and honestly, if you have to be the guy in the room saying it's too much, then it probably means you need to do more to teach your guys your system and get them to understand what you're trying to do. Um, but I do think that, that creating that culture where you have somebody in the room that is comfortable enough to question you, to play that devil's advocate, and to keep you focused, I think that's extremely important. 
Um, and, and, and it can be hard to do, but I've, I've, I've been very fortunate for most of my career as a coordinator where I've had those guys in the room. Um, and I, I do think that's important. And then, you know, all that builds to, to being a good play caller because, you know, you, you don't want to go into a game with 100 things on the script and, um, and try to run them all because you're never going to be successful. So, you know, the, the, the toughest question to answer in football to me is, you know, how much is too much? And some of that is just knowing your kids and the coaches in your room, knowing the kids. So for us, you know, we, we try to make sure that we live where we're comfortable and that, that we, we build things in a way that we can give the kids enough reps on Friday night or leading up to Friday night. And then, you know, Friday night at that point, it, it just – the play calling aspect, it's, it's okay, what are my kids doing well right now? What have we done well in practice this week? And then, obviously, what you know, what what are they giving us defensively? Um, and, and when when you can kind of find a comfort zone in in those three things, um, I think it can make you much more effective as a play caller, but also as an offense. Coach, obviously, and, and I'm sure Walls would like to you know get into a, a couple of things that you said, but the the one thing I want to dig into that is so important, I think that you mentioned is you know being able to coach your your coaches, but also that balance of that compared with letting your coaches coach. Uh, it's, to me, such a difficult thing to do. And, and at times, you know what I mean? It's like, and I'm probably, not that I have many coaches underneath me, if, if any, I'm just help with the run game and I have the offensive line. But um, it's like, I'm the way where it's just like, well, just let me do everything, you know, and, and that doesn't make anyone you know, I, I err on that side, and then no one feels valued. You know what I mean? And then there's some that err to letting whoever, you know, let them do as much as they want, but then they're not doing the right thing, and so that hurts you. So how tough is it to find that balance between those two? There, There is a balance, and, and it is it can be hard to find. Um, you know, I think one thing that's been good for me, especially starting at Sprayberry, starting, you know, I knew almost everybody on staff, um, but I hadn't worked with them. And, and so we, we were feeling each other out that first season, feeling out the kids, trying to build a culture, and there's a lot going on. And, and the more that we got into it and started getting into year two and then this past year, obviously, in year three, you know, when, when we leave the field house on Friday night, um, every position coach on the offensive side of the ball, they have a, they have a homework to do, um, you know, not only grading, you know, our performance from the night before in their position group, but they're each given homework of I specifically asked them to address certain issues, right? So my offense, you know, we have a, 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 an offensive line coach um, that um, his role is he is going to look at nothing but the defensive line. He is going to tell me when we show up on Sunday to meet as a staff, you know, how do they handle combos? How do they handle kickouts? And that's all he's focused on is, is, is those, those hand-in-the-dirt guys. Um, we have a tight end tackles coach. He's going to look at nothing but linebackers, nothing but those second-level guys, and I'm not asking him to evaluate what they're doing in coverage. Um, all I want him to be able to tell me is, you know, what are their fits like? Are they screaming downhill? Are they patient? Are they fast flow over the top of stuff? Um, same thing, we have two receivers coaches. One watches nothing but safeties. The other watches nothing but corners. And then um, my running backs coach, um, he helps me identify um, 
coverage from the linebackers. And then um, he's kind of also in charge of, of overall personnel um, for, for the defense, Put, you know, giving me the numbers, maybe finding the stats of, hey, here's their leading tackler. Here's the, you know, this linebacker leads the team in sacks. So yeah, clearly they're bringing him. Um, and then my role as a coordinator is to make sure they have what they need to, to get that done. So, you know, I send them um, – we're not going to watch really anything um, that, that we doesn't think translate to what we do. So we're not going to watch a wing T team versus a defense that we're about to play because we've for three years been probably 75% 11P, sometimes flex, sometimes attached, sometimes in the backfield. So – I'm going to go find those common formations. I'm going to send those cut-ups. And um, if there's a particular game or something I want them to watch, I'm going to make sure I communicate with those guys and give them those tools. So that when we get in that room on Sunday, they've all been given that responsibility. It's their opportunity to share their thoughts. And and my job as a coordinator is to never belittle their thoughts. I can, I can question their thoughts. We can pull it up on film and we can look. If I felt differently about something – but but getting them to understand exactly what I want them to look for and then allowing them to, to go on that role, um, I think is one way to give them ownership. And then as far as coaching your coaches, you know, um, it, it's weird right now because we're having offensive staff meetings and we're obviously doing it on Zoom. Um, but in, in prior seasons, the way we work, it's as simple as this, man. We're going to get in the room and we're going to say, okay, if we're going to run buck sweep, I want to know – how are we teaching it? So I want you to coach, stand up. I want you to put it on the board. I want you to walk through and I want you to teach us exactly how you're going to teach it. And everybody in the room is going to sit there and listen. And if anybody has a question or a suggestion, they're free to talk. Um, and, and so it gives me an opportunity to, to learn and understand, um, you know, one, I want to use the, the language of our offensive line coaches as much as possible when I'm talking to the offensive line. I don't have to have – I don't have to force those guys to use my terminology as long as they're using something that's consistent and logical. I can adapt if that's going to help them be better coaches. So I'll get the offensive line guy up, and, and he will literally – we'll put a chair or a dummy, or sometimes I'll stand up, and I will get him to walk us through it. And I'll ask questions, and and – we will settle as a staff on, on what we want to do. So I think, you know, again, I'm empowering those guys, you know, to some degree. Um, but, but that's also a way for ever make sure everybody in the room is getting the same message to make sure that when we leave that room, we're speaking a common language when it comes to, to how that scheme is going to work. Um, we've got a young wide receiver coach that, that played for me um, when he was in high school, went off and played um, some Division three ball in Minnesota and is back home now finishing up school. And, you know, he he knows that, that he's got the freedom to stand up on the board and say, you know, Coach, we did something in college that, to attack this coverage that I think fits our kids' skill set. And as long as he can draw it up, explain it, and walk me through all the teaching steps, then it's a conversation we're going to have. Um, because, you know, I think that, um, you know, as a classroom teacher, right, they try to tell you to get your kids involved and, and, and let, let your kids be active in, in their learning. I think that's one way that we coach our coaches is we give them that opportunity to be active. I think to some degree, too, it keeps guys on their toes. 
you know, when the running back coach knows at any point he can be called out to say, hey, how do you think our steps should look on this? Um, it it, it kind of forces him to to make sure he's tuned in to what we're doing and, and to be able to give me a why and a reason behind things. Um, and I, I think that that process has made our staff better. Love all that stuff, Coach. That's awesome. I'm writing it on the whiteboard right now. Um, next question I have for you, Tim. You know, you talk, You said common language a couple times, and I know I've, I've been on, you know, one of the, or two of the Zoom meetings that you've been doing, which have been unbelievable, by the way, the, the roundtables. I've loved them. Thank you. Um, I know you're a, an R4 guy as well. So can you talk a little bit about kind of how R4 has maybe pushed you towards that common language and also how maybe it puts you on the same page and then maybe even the next level, how it's maybe made you a better play caller? I, I, I've always been a fan of common language, and it goes back again um, to, to, to coaching defense. Um, had an experience early in the career where the defensive coordinator and I – had an opportunity. We 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 had a great setup. We had all the kids in weight training. You had the head coach, um, the offensive line coach, myself, who was the DB coach, and the D coordinator. We we all basically had all our kids in weight training. Um, so we had opportunity to meet with those kids, and we realized late in the season that one of the assistants was using different language than what was the way it was being taught, and so. Jeez we would get into games and kids would look like their heads were spinning and the defense coordinator would look at him and ask him a question and he would just flash his eyes back and forth to his position coach, like confused as hell. And it, 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 it was firsthand. It, and it wasn't that the, the guy was trying to, I, I don't, I don't believe he was doing it to, to try and prove a point or anything. It's just the way that he was operating and nobody realized it at the time. And we saw kids that looked lost because of it. So I, I, since then, have been a big proponent of common language. Now, as far as R4 goes, um, I've, I've coached in some other systems. I've been in a Tony Franklin system before, um, done some other things. And, and one of my favorite things when we started getting into R4, I, I've never felt like they are telling me exactly what I have to do. What they do in the R4 system, in my opinion, is they give you a – a, a platform of and a process to make you more efficient and to streamline thought process and communication. That That's from the coaching staff to the players, from the players back to the coaches. And I, I think that, that that has been one of the bigger values for our program in the R4 system is having the ability to communicate with kids and with and, and with each other with very clear, direct language that doesn't limit confusion, you know, or does limit confusion, excuse me. You know, Dub, obviously, he's got the, the, the what is open book. And if you watch him speak and talk on that subject and he, you know, he talks about, you know, any wide receiver co- or wide receiver will come over on the sideline and say, coach, I was open. Well, you look on film and he's not, you know. Um, I, I think that, that having a platform for coaches and for kids that you can structure some of that um, can, can be extremely important. So for our staff, um, we've been able to take what we want to do as an offense and, 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 and overlay that, that R4 um, kind of thought process and just streamline what we want to do. 
Um, and, you know, as a play caller, when you're in that, that, that system and, and, and you, you jump all in and drink the Kool-Aid, um, you know, Dub has some resources and materials for how they structure um, their, you know, not really just how they structure their call sheet, but their game planning process. And, um, and you know, it, it's in a lot of ways, you know, I, I think it, it almost goes back to an old school wing T coach you know, or an old school triple coach, right? With the idea that, you know, if, if you're if you're running wing T and they're stopping trap, well, the answer is buck, you know, or whatever. And and so, you know, part of our four from a play caller standpoint is trying to get you to go into the game with an understanding of this is what we anticipate happening. These are the most likely adjustments by the defense. And and when you have that knowledge built out prior and, 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 you know, obviously the more film you have and the more prior content or prior knowledge you have of the staff that you're facing and some of those things. But when you're able to, 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 to build all of those things out ahead of time, it can make you more efficient because you do know what to look for and you do know what defensive actions, what response should be triggered by that action. Um, so I, I, I do think that, um, you know, we have been very pleased uh, with R4 because it has given that common language to our staff, to our kids, and it's given us an opportunity to streamline our thought process. Coach, with that, how much are you guys doing, you know, where receivers are, are running, you know, routes on the run based on, you know, where the space is, you know, choice routes or option routes, if you will, and then along the same lines, you know, how much freedom are you giving your quarterback to you know, make tags to, to attack, you know, spaces that maybe you weren't anticipating with the original play call? So we, we don't let our quarterback um, change routes much at all. Um, there, there are very few occasions where we, we will let him do that. Now, if he comes off to the sideline and says, Coach, do you see this? Um, and we look at it and we agree, I may build it in where I have the ability to do it from the sidelines. Um, but we don't let him do it. Now, as far as our receivers – um, we give them as much freedom as they can handle and we force on them as much structure as we need, if that makes sense. Um, you know, if, if we're going to teach, um, a vertical stem route, whether it's a post or a corner or just a fade route, um, our kids are expected to be able to read and understand what is capped and what is uncapped and to be able to adjust, um, to uncapped space. Now, we don't really have any routes in our system where kids, you know, it, it's not necessarily run and shoot where kids have four options, um, you know, but on a post route, for instance, they may understand that if it's one high um, and that safety's in the middle of the field that I have to stay skinny um, or if that safety lifts and works my way that I have to snap it hard and, and cross his face. And so we will work that. Uh, with certain routes, but majority of our routes are, are, are fairly locked in. Um, you know, I, I think I think again, going on on really what this is year four at Sprayberry coming up, but it'll be year three as an R four team. So we're further along in that process. The first year, our kids were probably given a little bit less. Last year, we were able to do more, and then as our kids get more and more comfortable, especially at the younger levels, um, you know, it goes back to we give them the freedom they can handle. I love that. I, 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 that's one of the things that I think a lot of people maybe miss with, you know, the R4 system. Obviously, they're, they're down with the game plan. They're down with, you know, 
the the changing of routes and space is, is I feel like the the developmental track, especially when you start you know with your freshmen, your sophomores, when when kids understand those concepts and they've been with me now for three or four years, it's amazing how much better they do get by the time they are a junior and a senior. It, it is, and and you know it's interesting. So. I had a quarterback meeting today, and, and so I've got three quarterbacks in, in the program right now, 10th through 12th. Another kid that may get some reps, and then we're obviously going to have some incoming ninth graders. One of those three quarterbacks actually as a ninth grader last year played tight end for us, and we're moving him back to quarterback, which is a position he played younger. He's a smart kid, and he's got some ability. Um, and so we're in the meeting today, and I'm speaking the language, and my other two guys are, yes, sir, no, sir. And he just finally goes, Coach, what does that mean? And I had to pause and think for a second. And I was like, well, crap. I was like, you know, there are some things, obviously, my quarterbacks here that my receivers don't, um, you know, because I, I don't – there are certain things I don't necessarily need them to hear all the time, um, you know. And, and so, um, so I kind of had to backtrack. But that's the other thing about it, Coach, is – is you can teach it to freshmen because here I am with this kid who had basic understanding of the system from playing tight end last year. And in the course of 10 minutes, he was up to speed and answering questions. At, at a, now, he's a smart kid, but he was answering questions fairly well um, because it, it's not that any of it is, is, is just earth-shattering, but what it is is just smart. Um, and when you can start those kids at that young age, and our feeder program um, mirrors our offense to 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 an extent as much as they can, and and so their quarterbacks and even their route structures are taught in the same way that our guys are taught, and using a lot of the same language. Um, so as we get those kids, by the time you need them to play when it matters on a Friday night, um, if you've been consistent in your teaching process. Man, you can you can really accelerate your install and accelerate what you're trying to get those kids to understand and execute. That's exactly right, Coach. Uh, it, it's fun just kind of listening to you, like you said. You know, give give a little bit to those kids. Give some. You know, be able to get someone and a coach up to speed so quickly. I mean, that's what it's. I mean, that's to me, especially what this whole season is going to be about. Yep. Uh, assuming, you know, hopefully, assuming that we have a football season. Um, it, it's, it's not going to be, I wouldn't assume, Hey, what new things did you learn, um, over the break? What, what new cool things can we add in? It's going to be, how can we get in a short amount of time, our kids to know exactly what they're doing, um, where they're going and do it with a good, um, you know, with good technique and can they be whatever in shape means for this year? Can they be strong enough in shape enough? And so that's kind of the, the, the big important part I think going into this year is how do you get it to your kids? How do they learn it as quick as humanly possible? And that, that's one of the things that, that we've talked about as a staff is, is this season more so or as much as any other season, um, you know, essentialism and, um, and you know, and, and structure is going to be extremely important. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many hours, and my wife might can tell you, but um, how many hours I've spent, you know, <laughs> talking to other coaches and watching Zoom and, and listening to podcasts and doing different things. And, and you know, people have kind of started to turn on some of the stuff a little bit, saying that everybody's going to come out suddenly trying to be LSU. 
um, or, or come out and try to try to be Lincoln Riley and, and run that offense. And because they're out there and they're watching Brent Dearman on, you know, every chance they get and they're listening to somebody talk wide zone, even though they've been a split back veer team or whatever. And, you know, I, I think, I think it's great to learn. I, I, I will always believe that, you know, you, your goal should be to be a lifelong learner um, and, and find something that you enjoy and something you're passionate about and learn that. And for me, that's football. Um, but I, I think being, you know, like I said, being very essential with what you try to do early in the season is going to be important. And understanding what the the foundation of your system is and what your kids have to master. Because I, I truly believe that if, if, if you can, you know, if, if you focus on that early in, in this shortened season or shortened, I guess, off season, um, I, I think that that's going to really – pay dividends for teams that um, for teams that focus on what they believe is the core of their program instead of trying to just do it all right now. Um, you know, each week goes by, I keep looking at my install sheet going, hey, we can still run this, but we don't have to run it right now. You know, right. and, and, and just, you know, kind of scaling back of that plan is, man, let's, let's master this. And, and, and if we only get three weeks to prepare for the season or we get whatever the case may be, you know, let's master, let's be great at something. Let's have that home. And early in the season, that is going to get us victories or put us in position to win. And then as the season progresses and our kids are more comfortable, then it's our job to now, you know, discern what's the next phase, you know, um, that, that we need. So I, I think that's going to be very important moving forward. Well, Coach, it's been an unbelievably quick uh, but fun hour. Um, but but the thing that I always like to do before we let anybody go is is ask them when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they would do that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Man, I, I you know, I, there's there's not much prettier in football than a, a good offensive line, um, and and you know, I, Lord knows if I. I don't go to games now very often, and when I do, I want to sit in the end zone. I want the butt shot, you know, and um, <laughs> because right. I, I want to see those feet moving in unison. Um, I, we, we have not been an, a stretch team, but I freaking love watching some of these stretch teams from, a, from an end zone copy. And, watch, you know, watching Iowa from a butt shot is a freaking thing of beauty, man. And watching those dudes and their feet just be in unison and the way that they work their combos and do things is always just – you can tell how – one, how skilled those kids are, but how well they're coached. And 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 I think that that, that translates really to any offense. So, you know, I, I'm always – you know, what's their pad level like? Um, and, and I always pay a lot of attention to combos and second level, you know, because um, I, I think that, that teams – Teams that are effective in their combos and are still good at getting to second-level players, that really shows, I think, some some good coaching. Because too many times you'll see high school teams that, that can live on a combo and never touch a backer. And then at the same time, you'll see guys that will leave combos in a freaking hurry. And, and they'll get the backers all day, but the three technique just made the play. So I, I, I do. I spend a lot of time looking at combos and how they get to the second level. Um, and then in pass protection, you know, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to coach, in my opinion. And, um, and, and when you watch teams that are good at it and teams that, 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 that play with leverage and don't lean 
and understand, you know, how big of a weapon their hands are in pass pro, it's a pretty thing, man. It's a real pretty thing. Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. I know, uh, like I said, we've been blessed to, to be on a, a few of your uh, your Zooms and have a few of this, the same people that, you know, kind of we kind of know each other. And I knew I wanted to get you on. And I know there's a few things that I've actually been able to pull from you that I've learned this offseason. So, I mean, you know, the, the blessing that's been in disguise with, with COVID-19 and, and the <laughs> lockdown has been – you know, being able to, to reach out to people and, and for sure. grasp ideas and, and you know, kind of have those connections for, you know, hey, when I am seeing something like this, I know I have other people I can reach out to. Yeah, that, that has certainly been a blessing. I know that I've been able to, to, to kind of grow my network a little bit um, with, with guys that are, that are good football coaches and, and that see things that we don't see. And, you know, I was talking yesterday to a guy from Kentucky and a guy from Texas. We we don't see a lot of three safety defense, but a lot of people do. And, you know, it's one of those things that I laughed. I said, hey, just know that as soon as it shows up in Georgia, I'm calling. I'm calling a lot, you know, um, because they're guys that see it, you know. And and, and so it has been great um, to, to kind of be able to build those networks. And I, I appreciate you coming and, and, and sitting in and, and on some of those roundtables. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, because, you know, I, I wanted a, a platform that, that, that gave coaches an opportunity to share and, and discuss. And, and I, I didn't want to be the dude talking the whole time. You know, I, I can moderate, but I'm there to learn just like everybody else. So that's been a real, a real fun, you know, like you said, kind of silver lining to this whole thing for me as well. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.